Live from the Alberta Abbey, it's Portland Story Theater's special Halloween show, Spellbound. May the narrative be with you. It's 1971, and I am 16 years old, and I am in Potsdam, New York, experiencing my one and only semester of higher education. <clears throat> I've graduated early, that's a long story. I'm at SUNY Potsdam. Potsdam is a little tiny backwater town way, way, way north in, in upstate New York. In fact, it's so far north that if you went just 30 miles more, you would come to the St. Lawrence River and the border with Canada. <clears throat> Because it's so far north, it's very, very, very cold in Potsdam. It's one of those kind of places where it snows in October and you, you, you don't actually see the ground again until late May, sometimes early June. Early in the year, I had met two guys. I was living in the dorm, right, and I had my, my meal ticket to eat in the cafeteria. But I had met two guys named Doug and Michael, and the three of us had decided that, you know, we were really hot stuff and we should really move off campus and get an apartment so that we could really live the life, you know, and not have to follow so many rules in the dorm and wouldn't that be a lot more fun? So we had pooled our resources. We, we broke our contract for the housing, the, the room and board there at the college. And, uh, and we found an apartment at 37B, Pierpont Avenue. Pierpont Avenue was the main drag through Potsdam. Our apartment was on one side and the campus was right on the other side of Pierpont Avenue. Now, it was 37B because it was a basement apartment. And over us, there was a dentist's office. And as you know, dentist's office have lots and lots and lots of plumbing. Well, for some reason, all the plumbing from the dentist's office came down through the floor and, and into our space. You know, our ceiling was just covered with, with copper pipes and tubing and all this, all this dental stuff. And there was a, a particular pipe in my bedroom, my little cinder block basement bedroom, that, that leaked. And I kept a bucket under it, and it would just drip, drip drip, drip, and I would empty that bucket five or six times a day, and that, that kind of became the soundtrack. Well, you know, when you're 16 years old and you're a college freshman, you know, that just seems normal, right? Okay, I, I have to empty the bucket. So, um, but like I said, we had those basement, you know, daylight, daylight windows at ground level, and in early October, those were covered over with snow, and we did not actually see real daylight in our basement apartment again until much, much, much later in the year. Now, like I said, I was 16 years old, and as the semester progressed, it became evident that I was really much too young to be so far away from home and managing my own affairs, and I kind of stopped going to my classes, and my high school girlfriend back at home was running around with every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and maybe Larry, Larry, Moe, and Curly, too, and, and, and things, were, things were getting worse and worse and worse, and I kind of fell into this very deep, deep, deep depression, which was worsened by the lack of sunlight and that drip, 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 drip right there in my bedroom. 
Late, late, late one winter night, Michael and Doug and I were sitting around. I'm sure that we had been drinking or doing something that we weren't supposed to be doing. And, and it just came up in conversation. Michael said his mother's name. I don't know what, what triggered that or what, but Michael said, yeah, my mother's name is Angie. And, and I just had this kind of knee-jerk reaction. I blurted out this, this it was the punchline to a joke that my brother used to tell. And for the life of me, I don't remember the joke or the setup or even why it was funny. But when I heard Michael say, my mother's name is Angie, I just blurted out, Angie, Angie, I once fucked a girl named Angie. <laughs> oh my God. And as soon as the words were out of my mouth, I was like, ooh, that was the wrong thing to say. I was so, oh, Michael, I'm so sorry. I wasn't talking about your mother. <laughs> but Michael was pissed. He was hurt and he was mad. And he would not accept my apologies. You are a bad person to say that. I'm like, Michael, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he said to me, the devil is going to get you for saying that. I'm like, oh God, Michael, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't know why I said that. The devil is going to get you for saying that. Well, it became so awkward and so uncomfortable there in the basement apartment with, with Michael's anger at me that, that I could not take it anymore. I could not stand it. And even though it was very late, probably one o'clock in the morning, I bundled up, I put on a a wool sweater and my scarf and my mittens and my wool hat and my down jacket and I went out into the night just to get out of the apartment. I went up those basement stairs and out the side door and, and out onto Pierpont Avenue. It was very, very cold, probably 15, 20 degrees below zero and very still. There was a, a deep layer of snow, probably two and a half, three feet of snow everywhere, and you know how the snow just kind of uh, uh, absorbs the sound, and it was, it was absolutely still, absolutely quiet, and I started walking in that cold, cold night air, seeing my breath come out in great clouds of vapor, and I walked about a block, and suddenly I had that sensation, that weird feeling that, that I was not alone, that something or someone was watching me. And I, I turned around, and about a block behind me, I saw a dog, a black dog, standing there in the snow with its head down as if it were sniffing at something in the snow. And it lifted its head, and it looked right at me, and I swear that its eyes were glowing red, red like fire, red like blood, Red like the devil. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, is it, uh, is it happening already? Is that the, the <laughs> I didn't expect it so soon, right? Uh, Michael said the devil was going to get me, but wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just imagining, I'm just projecting my guilt onto this dog. It's all okay, just, just keep cool. And so I'm walking, and I'm walking, and the dog is walking and keeping its distance behind me. And, 
Every time I turn around, I see that dog with the red eyes just right behind me. And I'm starting to panic, and I'm starting to get really upset, and I'm thinking, okay, don't run, don't run, because dogs like to chase something that's running, and if I run, the dog will chase me. And I'm walking, and I'm walking, but this devil dog is right behind me, and finally, I can't stand it anymore, and I start to run, and then the dog starts to run too, and the dog is chasing me, and is catching up to me, and it's not like howling or baying like the Hound of the Baskervilles. It's silent, and it comes right up behind me, and I can hear its breath, and I can hear the sound of its paws crunching in the, in the snow. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I want to scream, but it's like that thing where you're in a dream, and you try to scream, but no sound comes out. And I'm running, and I'm running, and it's just dark and quiet everywhere. All the all the lights are out, everyone's asleep, and up ahead I see one house that's lit up, right? The porch is lit, and I run towards that light, and I'm running, and I'm running, and the dog with the red eyes is behind me, and as I get closer, I see that there's a big sign across the porch of this one house that's lit up, and I realize that this is like the college crisis counseling center, right? <laughs> this is like the you know, the 24-7 suicide prevention hotline place. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm having a crisis, right? <laughs> yes. And I run and I run and I run up the steps and I, I yank open the door and thank God it's open and I get inside and I pull that door shut behind me and I look out the glass window of the door and I don't, I don't see the dog anywhere. And then I, I just kind of collapse, you know, in a heap. And there's a, there's a guy and a girl working. This is their, you know, what do you call that? Their work-study job to work at the little crisis center. And, 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 and I just sort of blurred out the whole thing. And, oh, my God, and I said this terrible thing. And Michael and the devil is going to get you. And the dog and the red eyes. And, oh, God. And as I'm saying all that, I'm starting to realize, like, how crazy that sounds, right? Like, the, the, the devil is a black dog with red eyes, and it was chasing me, but, but it just all seemed so real. And, and so the, the guy goes into the little kitchen, and he comes back with a big steaming hot mug of chamomile tea and an oatmeal raisin cookie, right? I mean, that's their suicide prevention for you in a, in a nutshell, right? I mean, life is worth living, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I sit there in the chair, and I, I just tell them how bad I feel that I hurt Michael's feelings. And they're like, hey, it's going to be OK. You know, Michael was kind of sore, and he took it personal. Even, and you know, he'll be OK. And tomorrow, it'll all blow over, and he'll forgive you, and it's all. And by the time I finished my tea and my oatmeal raisin cookie, I felt like, okay, okay, it's going to be all right. And I don't know what that was that was chasing me. Maybe I just imagined it. Maybe it was just a projection. But, okay, this is crazy. I just got to go home and go to sleep, and tomorrow will be a new day. So I, I thank them, and I get dressed. I put on my wool sweater and my scarf and my heavy wool hat and my mittens and my down jacket. And... And I thank them again, and I go out to the porch, and I look around, and I don't see any black dogs. So I, I close the door behind me, and I start walking back to my house. Now, 
when the dog had been chasing me, I had run like a crazy circuitous route, but, but I was now only about three blocks from my place on Pierpont Avenue. So I start walking towards there, and I'm walking in that cold, cold, cold night air, and my breath is just making big clouds of vapor. And I come to the corner of Pierpont Avenue, and I take a right turn so that I'm walking towards my apartment, and it's just down a couple of blocks. And I cross over the street into the block where my house is, and I see a black shape in the white snow right in front of the house that my apartment is in. And as I walk closer and I get closer to it, I can see that it's a black dog, and it's standing there with its head down as if it's sniffing at something in the snow. And it raises its head, and it looks right at me, and its eyes were glowing red. The black dog. <laughs>